0: This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. I'm going to read from verse 12. Now, of course, we know this is the great chapter that deals with a lot of incarnation theology, understanding who Jesus really was. But I want us to focus today on the idea of the image of God. And that's not an easy topic. If I were to ask you, what does the image of God look like? I'd be interested to know what you'd have to say. But we're not going to do that this morning. All right, maybe we can do that at another time. So here we go. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me has surpassed me, because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For although the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we are talking about the word who became flesh. We've just got to establish that as a, as a foundation for, for understanding uh, where we go to. Because we've, we've got to think about ourselves, really. We've got to see where do we fit with this idea. What is it like to be the image of God? That's what I really want us to talk about this morning. So we know the word became flesh we know by now that the word is it comes from that um that greek word logos which is more than word it's it's kind of an expression uh, it's the mind of god expresses himself uh, and explains who he is that's what the word is all about so we know the word became flesh Uh, And that word is described as the son of God. That's the way it's described. Uh, We can't think of son in the same way that we think of ourselves as son, except there was a real moment in time when the word actually became flesh and went through the process of being born. So there's a connection. But this is God who limited himself, expressed himself, and was the absolute best representation of who God really is. So there's the true image of God. The true image of God is found in Jesus Christ. So we have to think about him. Uh, We have to look at him. We have to look at what we have received in the Gospels for our understanding of his nature, the way he lived, the things that he did, uh, the fact that he lived a life without sin can't imagine that, really. How would we begin to think about that? Because without doubt, whether people like the terminology, whether they accept it as being such in their belief system, the reality is everybody knows that they're not quite there. They fall short in some way. And the whole expression of life describes that in the way that people live. They live it in different ways. Some seek to achieve. Some just give up uh, because they know they can't do it. Uh, And there's this wide expression of life. Uh, And and we know that way back in time, God created a man and a woman, and he made them in his own image. Now, we're not to think in terms of of the flesh of that because that's very, very limited. Uh, We are limited people. We have this one body. That's all we've got. Uh, is that the image of God? It's difficult to say, isn't it? But somehow being created without a nature that tends to sin is an expression of the image of God. Because God cannot sin, he cannot fail, he cannot lie. Uh, he is absolute, he's complete, he's perfect in every aspect of his being. So something of the nature of the image of God happened in that garden millennia ago. Something happened. God did this remarkable thing. Nothing else quite like it. But we know the story, and it has to be a real event, because there was a fall, and we see the we see outworking you know, of it. Uh, we see the outworking in our own self, in our own being, in every aspect of our own being, whether it's behavioural or whether it's just the the problem of getting older, or whether it's just the general imperfection in the body that everybody has to some extent or other, and some have it far worse than others, well that's not the image of God, do not look to fallen mankind to find the image of God because you won't find it, and if you think that's what it is. You're going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. That's why the Word became flesh, so that the image of God could be clearly and accurately seen. We can only see from our own limited being, can't we? We cannot go beyond that. Uh, We can reach out and have ideas, but they will never, ever be complete because they're tarnished, and we don't have the ability. So the word of God, he came, and he lived amongst us. Perfect. Lacking nothing. And we know the remarkable nature of his journey in this world was those things that define him as being God. He was God didn't stop being God, but those things like the ability to do miraculous things, he put to one side. And because he wanted to rec- he wanted to represent what the true image of God would be like for us. We can't do stuff. We don't have what it takes. So when Jesus did those miraculous things, he did them because the Heavenly Father, by the Spirit, Enabled him to do it. So the walking of his life on this earth was the image of God, God self limited, without any form of fault. He was never less than. And he walked this earth and he was not tarnished by it. And the way that he came, this is how it's described. And this is actually the key uh, for us as we think of ourselves, if we are in Christ, of course, as rediscovering the image of God. He came full of grace and truth. Now those are massive, massive concepts. It says grace first because that's the expression of God's enabling. So he came full of grace. He was God's enabling to fall on mankind to rediscover their broken image. That's how he came. And because he came like that, we are to receive grace in order that we can live the life of those that God is transforming again, renewing the broken image. That's why it talks of a new birth. It's necessary. So he came full of grace. And the thing about grace is because it is the enabling, it takes us beyond our own ability. It takes us beyond even our ability to intellectually grasp hold of the issues of who God is and who we are and the purpose of life in this world. We have our own ideas of that. We think about it. uh, And some minds are bigger than other minds and are more capable uh, of grasping the intellectual side of that than others. But you know, God is so good that he reaches beyond all of ability or lack of it and gives every person the same ability to see Jesus for who he is. It is not based upon our own thinking because that will be at some point flawed. It is based upon the grace that God gives. He enables us. But he came full of truth as well, you see. Truth. What is the point in believing in something that is not true? The the big argument that is out there That has no logic behind it is that there can be no absolute truth if there isn't if if there's no absolute truth where is it on the scale what if it's right on the bottom of the scale and you think it's at the top you're in trouble the truth is what it is a truth actually is, is another expression of god because he is true he cannot be anything but true it's who he is Everything is defined by him and his nature and what he says and what he does. And truth is essential to the understanding of what it means to be the image of God. So Jesus came. He was the word in the form of flesh. God limiting himself to human form to show his grace and his truth to a fallen world. And what he did, he provided a way that we can be like him. Not the same as, not God self limiting, not all powerful, all knowing, none of those things. We can't be. We can't attain it. We cannot reach out towards it and make it happen. Because, in the same way that the perfect is always perfect, it can never be less than. That which isn't perfect, which is who we are, we can never become perfect because we always have the deficit in us. So God has provided a way in which we can be like him to the fullest extent of what the image of God is meant to be. It isn't God. It's an expression of him in the best form. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to live that kind of life. So he has come with grace, and he has come with truth. And through the new birth, because this is what this is speaking about, he gave us the right to have a different father. Now, your dad's your dad, whether he was good, bad, or different. Uh, And and God has said it in being that we should honor our parents and that's proper. All of that's right. Uh, You cannot deny that. It's real. This is not some kind of weirdo thing in which, well, uh, well, no, he's not my dad anymore. Uh, That's nonsense. Uh, We are people who live in two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of this world. There is a physical reality uh, that you cannot change. But there is another reality, the reality of what God desires for all people who will come by the way of repentance and faith and follow Jesus. He wants us to become a representation of who he is within our limited form. And so he gives us this facility of the new birth in which we look to God as our heavenly father, to tell us who we are and define what our new nature because of Christ really is. That's what it's about. And and it's because of this and the reality of this and actually the logical reason for this is that as Christians, we waste a lot of time In just trying hard and trying and trying and trying. Trying to attain to this and trying to attain to that. Because we don't have what it takes to do it. But what we do have is better than that. Because our effort to attain is bound to go to failure. God has done something far, far better than that. He has come full of grace and full of truth. And that is what he wants to impart to us. Now this is what John has to say. And remember, John is the, the guy that knew Jesus more than anybody. It, in a sense, he was Jesus' best friend here on earth. This is the guy that really knew him. And this is the guy that when he wrote this, he was an old man, which gives us all hope, doesn't it? That you, you don't have to Totally lose your mind. This guy's writing stuff that nobody else has done. This is remarkable stuff. Why? Because he understood the principle full of grace and full of truth and he says to us and we must take hold of this absolutely because this will shape our Christian living it will take us in the right direction it will lift us from this tendency to always go down the route of messing up and it will deliver us uh, from the, the, the weight and the burden of just trying, trying trying, trying, and not obtaining. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace. Now we need to understand that a little bit better. You see, when God sent his son, when he lived that life on earth, and he went to the cross, and he dealt with the whole of the evil of the entire world throughout history. And he took the weight of that on his shoulders. And his perfect goodness overcame all of the deficit of evil. He abolished its power. When he first came to us, he came with mercy, didn't he? Because we, we were in a bad state. Uh, we weren't going anywhere. We were not in the right relationship with God. We really didn't have a hope of eternal life without the deficit of sin and even the corruption of a limited body that only lasts so long. So he came because he was merciful. But his mercy said, I recognize you're in a mess, but I'm going to help you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity, but you must take it. And once somebody takes that opportunity, this great principle supersedes the mercy because the mercy can only last for so long. It's only as long as an opportunity to be in right relationship with God is available. The principle of grace takes place in your life. It changes everything. Now here is God who has made made us one of his own. He views us as his children. That's another way of saying image of God. He views us as his children. and, And he wants to give us everything that we need in order not only to know that and recognize it fully, but to live from that place, a place that overcomes the to form the fallen nature of this whole world that we live in. That's what he wants for us. So he gives us grace. And he recognizes that we have to live a life here and we still have a legacy uh, that is part of our being, uh, that it's it's work in progress. We didn't suddenly become, uh, in a moment, the full expression of the image of God. The day that we came to Christ, we took the first step. We were born again. It's kind of baby-like. You have to grow and you have to learn. And you have to stop doing some things. And you have to start doing some other things. That's the way it goes in life, isn't it? And in order for that to happen, we keep needing the grace of God. But we must live by grace, not by mercy. Living by mercy says you're in a mess and God's looking at that and saying, oh no, not again. I'll give give them some more chance. I'll cut them some slack. That's mercy. Grace says, I'm here for you. I'll give you absolutely everything you need to take hold of that image of God that my desire is for you to attain to. And we recognize that we need grace after grace after grace after grace. We need the continuing equipping, enabling. Whatever it is that we need, we need that all the time. We've received that from the fullness of who Jesus is. In other words, it is not second best. It is not incomplete. It is an expression of God's goodness to give us every good thing in order to be what he would have us to be. And then he just gives this reference because a lot of the people that would read John's letter would be Jewish people and they would understand this uh, probably better than most. He gave the law through Moses. We know about that. Uh, We know what that did. We know that it defined what sin was. But we know that it did not give relief from sin because it was a burden. It kept saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But it did help point us in the way to know that we need something greater than that. So in a sense, that was the mercy of God and the beginning of his grace to people. Grace and truth came through Jesus. So there was a way the law said you're wrong, but grace and truth. It's necessary to have the truth. It's important to have the truth, because if you don't, you might get deceived. You might get confused. You might still be of that mindset, even though uh, you have been to that place of saying, yes, Lord, I I recognize the fallen nature within me that leads to sin. I recognize that's wrong. I, I repent of that, and I believe in you for everything that you can do. You might have been there. But your mindset might be like the old Mosaic law. It is the mindset of many Christian people. And it keeps them down. It traps them. It keeps saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. When actually truth says, in Christ, if you follow me, if you receive the grace that comes, the grace upon grace, then you will not be in that wrong place. the truth wants to set you free. And the truth has components to it. It's only going to set you free if it's right, if it's accurate. Not some false idea, some strange philosophy, not some um, some fantasy kind of idea of what a Christian life is. It's absolutely real. Truth is about being real. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And as John writes this, and as a man who has seen Many, many Christians in his lifetime. A man who's coming towards the end of his life. This guy lived to something like 100 years old. Remarkable man of God. He'd seen it all, but he knew grace and truth. And he wanted to communicate that message to Christians everywhere so that they didn't keep falling into the traps of wrong thinking. They didn't keep falling into the traps of being without the power of God to keep them on the right track, not just in their belief system, but in their active life in Christ. So really, when you think about the image of God, uh, and it's a never-ending study in a sense, because how can you get to the full depths of what Jesus was really like, the Word who became flesh? But it's good to keep going there because he is our reference point, and it's through him that we are enabled. Without him, it is not possible. If we are to attain to what God really desires for us, then we must understand what it is for us to be full of grace and truth. Well, for us, it's not our own nature. It's a gift that keeps giving. And so we must be in that place of humility, seeking the Lord with all of our hearts and asking him, will you give me grace for today? That's what Jesus taught in that remarkable prayer. Give us today the bread that we need. What do we need? We need grace. We we don't need physical bread. We've all got it. You know, we don't need to pray, Lord, fill my fridge today. We don't need to do that. We've got the ability to go and do it. But we do need to pray, Lord, give give us our daily bread. Give us the grace that we need for this day and the next day so that we might walk in the fullness of his truth. That is the way to freedom. And that is the journey to discovering the true image of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info@truefoundations.ca, Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.